0: You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership and Innovation. Unlocking Change Through Transformational Leadership. Why today's crisis of leadership is tomorrow's opportunity. You have lost your reason and taken the wrong path. You have taken lies for truth and hideousness for beauty. I marvel at you who exchange heaven for earth. These words by author Anton Chekhov were not written about our contemporary business leaders, but they might just as well have been. I will be arguing in this episode that we desperately need transformational leadership in order to advance the frontier of sustainability. But before we reach for those heady heights, let us revisit the muddy swamps of calamitous leadership – of catastrophic, cancerous, disastrous, pestilential, cataclysmic leadership Is there any other way to describe the business leadership that led us all, Pied Piper-like, into the 2008 global financial crisis, the aftershock of which is still being felt and the burden of which will weigh heavy on generations to come? This was a crisis ushered in while leading companies around the world and their celebrated CEOs all seemed to be happily chanting, greed is good, in unison. That mantra, of course, belongs to the fictional Wall Street character Gordon Gecko. but apparently truth is stranger than fiction. Our MBA-trained leaders all seemed to agree with Gecko when he said, Greed is right, greed works, greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. Am I being too melodramatic? Maybe. Or maybe not. In my co-authored book, Beyond Reasonable Greed, we attributed the phenomenon of unreasonable corporate greed at the turn of the century to boards being collectively swept along by the prevailing paradigm of success, which is purely financial. However, we added the following rider. In the light of Enron's failure, this judgment may be overly kind and more cases of dodgy accounting, inflated profits and insider trading by the board may pop up in corporate America and corporate Europe. And of course, since publication, they did pop up like a popping popcorn popathon, starting with WorldCom, but later extending to other corporate heavyweights like Lehman Brothers as well. As a result... Big business is under the whip like never before from the public and politicians alike. And the finance profession in particular is feeling very uncomfortable under the harsh interrogative spotlight. However, if the response to all the accounting irregularities and other misdemeanours is merely to throw a few CEOs in jail and threaten the rest with a long prison sentence unless they check the figures personally, a great opportunity for real transformation will be lost. As business and the financial services industry begins to respond to the rising tide of international scrutiny, the word corporate governance is on everybody's lips. But the critics remain sceptical, maybe justifiably so. If wave after wave of corporate scandals are revealing anything, it is that corporate governance is sometimes not worth the paper it is written on. If the people involved in implementing corporate governance do not have their hearts in the right place, and if they are just going through the motions, the process becomes a charade. You can have all the non-executive chairpersons, non-executive directors, board committees and external auditors you like, but things will go hideously wrong if ceremony has replaced substance and cynicism is the order of the day. Some non-executive directors sit on so many boards that it is physically impossible for them to exercise their fiduciary duty responsibly, let alone wider social responsibilities. Worse still is a situation where the chairman and CEO are one and the same person, and he, it still almost always is a he, has managed to load the board with his buddies. If things go right, they are the first to congratulate him and approve a handsome bonus. If things go wrong, they are the last to take the tough questions needed to expose malpractice. They would prefer to have the wool firmly pulled over their eyes, even though ignorance is no excuse in terms of the law. Seeking a reformation in business So, let's be clear about what we mean by transformational leadership. Rather than implementing a smattering of short-term corporate governance fixes, which are necessary but not sufficient, what is required is nothing short of a reformation in business, along the same lines as the one precipitated by Martin Luther in 1517. On October 31st of that year, he wrote An Attack on the Sale of Indulgences, Remissions of Punishment for Sin. In 95 Theses, which he nailed to a church door, his basic point was that the church had become too interested in enriching itself at the expense of its true mission of providing spiritual leadership. It had lost the support of the population at large with its mercenary practices and obsession with grandeur and wealth. In exactly the same way, the modern corporate world has lost the confidence of the public. The high priests of business, the board of directors, are perceived as just another example of a group of privileged people driven by unreasonable greed and feathering their own nests. The customers and shareholders come a poor second and other stakeholders trail even further behind. The modern equivalent of indulgences is an astronomical salary, a large wad of share options, and a corporate jet. And the modern equivalent of the flowery and unintelligible prayers which the Church used to recite in order to extract its indulgences from the peasantry is the purple prose and lofty sentiments expressed by companies in their mission statement, combined with a set of accounts that only the initiated can understand. So, reform is critical for business to restore its reputation, particularly as its presence in society rivals that of the church in the 16th century. Hence, we see business needing to establish a new and broader role for itself in keeping with modern times, rather than going back to the old one. Another word for this type of change is shape-shifting, liberating ourselves from the old form that defined and constrained us in the past and morphing into a completely new being with new characteristics and potential for the future. And despite my cheeky dismissal of the S-word in the introduction, I still believe that sustainability can be the catalyst which helps us in the process of shape-shifting. Unfortunately, sustainability is almost a cliché now. Nevertheless, the idea behind it remains a powerful source of inspiration and is responsible for an umbrella movement encompassing as diverse a group as you can imagine. They all share one thing in common, an interest in improving human well-being by seeking a proper balance between social, economic and environmental change. Most fundamentally, sustainability is about surviving and thriving, by finding a proper balance between economic, social, and environmental development. No one of these three elements of the so-called triple bottom line can be pursued relentlessly at the expense of the others, or else the whole system collapses. Sadly, at the moment, there is widespread evidence that we are out of balance, and that despite economic advances, and sometimes because of them, our ecological and social systems are breaking down, We are pursuing unsustainable development. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't need convincing of this fact, so a few figures should suffice to make the point. Since 1970, the expansion of our industrial economies and upgrading of our consumerist lifestyles have already reduced vertebrate populations by over two-thirds, with species extinction occurring at a rate a 100 to a 1,000 times faster than the natural background rate. This is ecologically unsustainable. At the same time, the gaps between rich and poor and between CEO packages and workers' wages have all widened in the past 50 years. This is socially unsustainable. Furthermore, corruption remains unresolved with one in four people around the world having to pay a bribe for public services. Meanwhile... Many countries have mortgaged the next generation's future to indebtedness in an attempt to recover from the global financial crisis. This is economically unsustainable. Trading in business fangs for tusks These unsustainable trends, many of them perpetuated by business, suggest the very mode of modern business and the economy lies at the heart of the problem. To use an analogy, today the majority of business embodies the characteristics of a lion, an impressive predator. Let's take this metaphor for a walk and see where it leads us. Like lions, companies act like competitive hunters in the marketplace, looking to dominate the economic planes, thereby gaining more power and wealth for their board of directors. Not surprisingly, financial measures of success are automatically given a higher priority than impacts on local communities or the natural environment. Lion-like boards will argue that turning themselves into fat cats will somehow miraculously trickle down to benefit society as a whole, despite growing evidence to the contrary. All the other animals of the wild are not convinced. By contrast, if you will indulge the wildlife metaphor a little longer, the future calls for different strengths, such as those displayed by the mighty elephant, a wise leader. They are masters of survival and adaptation and live largely in cooperative harmony with their fellow creatures. Elephants are organized in matriarchal herds, which display highly developed social tendencies and sophisticated communication abilities including the use of infrasound. They are extremely intelligent species but also display sensitive emotions like affection and grief. Most of all these gentle giants inspire all who encounter them. There are seven critical dimensions in which shape-shifting needs to occur in order to create sustainable companies. These deal with values, vision, work, governance, relationships, communication and services. Looking at our current crisis of leadership, we have to re-examine corporate governance. But governance is not a word that lions like much. It smacks too much of giving away power or sharing supper. Lion directors prefer the freedom of making all their decisions in secret councils or while they're on the run, with no justification needed and no recourse back to them. In other words, if the Lion King has his way, business is a monarchy, not a democracy. So, transformational leadership means shape-shifting that goes beyond putting corporate governance ticks into boxes. At the end of the day, it is about values and behaviour. Companies that perpetuate the widening gap between rich and poor in their own payroll profile are always going to fall into the lion's camp. Companies that persist in managing from the top down will never turn their fangs into tusks. And companies that only create partnerships that benefit themselves may learn to purr, but they're never going to lose their roar. Elephant-like leaders, on the other hand, embrace the principles and practices of good governance with passion. They implement governance at a practical level, including shape-shifting in at least three areas – company incentives, decision-making processes, and communication methods. Shifting to return on stakeholder value I don't believe this shape-shifting is simply a nice thing to do. To survive in the sustainability era, companies will have to move beyond their aggressive competitive tendencies. They will need to learn to be not only sociable, but genuinely concerned about the perspectives and well-being of all of their stakeholders. Of course, this is not a new idea. Years ago already, Barry Nailbuff and Adam Brandenberger in their book of the same title called this transition co while David Wheeler and Maria Silanpa talked about the stakeholder corporation. Companies ignore this trend at their own peril. Stakeholders, if maltreated, can bite back, and even the most macho multinational lines can find themselves bleeding. Transparency is key. However, Too many companies have grown accustomed to speaking to stakeholders only on a need-to-know basis, telling whom they want, what they want, when they want. Usually this communication coincides with a time when the company needs something from its stakeholders, such as support or the absence of visible protest, to proceed with a new development. There is no shortage of lion companies who mistake telling for dialogue and get backchat from angry stakeholders as a result. Fortunately, the next generation of corporate elephant wannabes can choose the easier route of following in the footsteps of the elephant pioneers that have gone before them, like the body shop's values reporting, SBN Bank's ethical accounting process, Scandia's intellectual capital reporting, Electrolux's environmental reporting, or Puma's environmental profit and loss accounts. There are also numerous do-it-yourself guides that have emerged over the years, such as the Accountability 1000 Standard on Social and Ethical Accounting, Auditing and Reporting, and the Global Reporting Initiative's Sustainability Reporting Guidelines. Beyond these basic frameworks, technology-enabled interactive stakeholder feedback and real-time online public reporting on the web are already well advanced and is a theme we will revisit in later episodes. Our comparison of lion versus elephant companies, although a playful metaphor, offers a serious glimpse of the alternative landscapes for business that may emerge over the coming decades. These are encapsulated in two contrasting scenarios, which were explored in more detail in my book, Beyond Reasonable Greed. Oases in the Desert is where the corporate lions continue to rule but their kingdoms are increasingly restricted by their own destructive behavior and popular discontent plains of the serengeti on the other hand is where companies shape-shift into elephants that strive for a proper balance between cooperation and competition and a continuing diversity of species large and small strong and weak What is certain is that our incumbent global cadre of executive leadership, along with business as a whole, is being forced to shapeshift, whether it likes it or not. And those that have the foresight to change fundamentally are more likely to remain a going concern, in other words, to survive and thrive, which is ultimately what sustainability means.